You're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one Australian weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. You can listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Reefs Radio Roadshow and via podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and now also on iHeartRadio. Just search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast, hit subscribe, and leave us a positive review and five stars. We'd appreciate that and it would help us to keep doing what we're doing. On the Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. Major podcast sponsor, NTI, nti.com.au. Welcome back all, we've got a mammoth show for you this week. We kick off with a news item that's got everyone scratching their heads and saying, what the... Mike goes into tech talk mode when he chats with David Saliba from Coolabar about how to get a cool or warm night's rest in your sleeper cab. We've got a Van Morrison classic coming up for you and later on in Something to Talk About, we're joined by Andrea Hamilton Vaughan for a chat about Fatigue Awareness Day. To take us out, a rollicking country rock cracker by the Zac Brown Band. And it's all free, no charge, zip, gratis. Talk about great value. Let's do it. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Hi, Mike. News time? News time. Yeah. Mate, this week I've just got one that's, I think, a biggie and we need to talk about it. Mm. Now, before we do, I have to confess that I've been following you around for a couple of years now. (laughs) I'm talking about Twitter, of course. I'm not really a stalker as such. But the other day on Twitter, you raised the very interesting story of the new stationary truck attenuator they've deployed during the current roadworks on the southeastern freeway in South Australia. Yep. I did a bit of homework on this thing mm. and I thought we might have a little chat about it. Yep. For those who might not be familiar with it, it's a rigid truck with a massive rear fender that has a huge shock absorber system built into it. Yep. Transport Department has said that it will be used when either of the arrestor beds at the bottom of the freeway need to be closed at certain times and it's designed to be used by, and I love the wording, any errant heavy vehicle. <laughs> because they're all over the place. <laughs> So correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but the idea is if your rig gets away from you for whatever reason, you just line yourself up and plough into the back of this truck. That's exactly the plan. Okay. Exactly the plan. And they're saying it can withstand the impact of a fully loaded semi-trailer travelling at 100 kilometres per hour and will actually stop the truck. Yeah, I have difficulty with that. Mm. I really do. I really do. When you have a look at the picture of this thing, right? Yep. It's a normal rigid, single-drive rigid truck. It's got no real mass about it at all. The whole thing would be lucky to weigh 10 tonnes. Mm. If that, it'd be less than that, right? Mm. And it's got a bit of a spring thing out the back of it. I have visions of hitting this thing and the spring coiling up a little bit and then shooting it down the road like one of those little Hot Wheels cars you used to pull the strip out of. Remember those? <laughs> yep, yep. And just going, Kush, see you later, buddy. Have fun with that. Yeah. To me, this is insanity on an industrial scale. I'd agree with that. It really is. It's so counterintuitive, isn't it? I mean, you spend your entire life trying to avoid hitting things. Yeah, yeah. And they haven't quite painted a big target on the back of it, but they could, couldn't they? Well, they should. It's almost something like you'd expect the old roadrunner to do, you know? <laughs> Shit, this is a good idea. We'll just meet me. <laughs> we'll just put an X here. Hit this. Yeah. Mate, I used to go up and down the hills over there all the time. You take a B-double down there, 64 and a half ton, whatever, and can hold it back and it's all lovely and as long as everything goes nicely it's just easy right super easy yeah but if it does manage to get away from you the angle on that piece of road is so steep if you can't pull the thing up once you get those brakes hot it's not stopping yeah and by the time you get down to where that safety bed is on the southeastern there you can be well moving 
I cannot see for the life of me how this pathetic little tray truck with a big spring thing on the back is going to stop 64 and a half tons of B-double that's going to be doing better than 100 by the time it gets there. Yeah. It's more likely going to be doing 130 or 40 by the time it gets there. Yeah. It's just like a snowball rolling downhill. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and faster and faster and faster. And I would hate to be the driver with both hands on the wheel, sweating bullets, because you'd, you'd have to know you're in trouble. Yeah. And this sort of thing, I mean, it's not something you plan on. And you don't even train for it. We're not putting a simulator because you can't find the damn simulator. Yeah. You know. That's MIA in South Australia somewhere, isn't it, the simulator? Well, I haven't heard where it is, mate. I've asked some questions and nobody's bothered to answer me. Yeah. But the reality of it is, is you'd be down there, you'd be looking at the windscreen, you'd be seeing this thing in front of you. God, I hope they're not stupid enough to make someone sit in it. Mm. I really do. Because when it all goes sideways and if someone hits this thing and it goes sideways and it gets speared out the side and smashed up against a cement wall with a 64.5-ton B-double right up its backside... I just hope that there's no one sitting in it because it will end badly. Yeah. Everyone that I've spoken to about this that has any idea, we all said the same thing. This is insanity. Yeah. Get the bloke who signed off on this, sit him in the seat, and I'll volunteer to hit him up the ass at 100 kilometres now with a B-double. Mm. See what happens. Let's run a test. Mm. You know what really frightens me? The thought of some perhaps inexperienced car driver looking in his mirror, seeing a truck coming rapidly at him, thinking, oh, this guy's out of control. Yeah. Hang on, I'll just pull in behind this parked truck over here yep. and let him go by. Car sandwich. Yeah, oh, wonderful. I hadn't even thought of that, mate. Oh, good God, what a terrible vision. Isn't it? Mate, I hadn't even thought of that scenario. It could happen. Mate, it could. Mm. Honestly, there's not one good thing to say about this, in my opinion. Well, the head of the South Australian Road Transport Association, Steve Shearer, described it as a very innovative but mentally challenging approach. (laughs) He went on to say the problem would be getting drivers of out-of-control vehicles to understand they actually are supposed to collide with the attenuator, which is something of an understatement, I think. Well, for Steve Shearer to say it's mentally challenging, that's... Mate, have you got the bleeper ready? Yeah. Fucking stupid, you know. Six hundred and fifty thousand trucks is in the southeastern every year. Yeah. Obviously, the majority of them get down there safely. Yes, there have been a few nasty accidents. You go across those lights at Glen Osmond Road, and you can't pull up, mm. and the lights are the wrong way, or there's a queue of traffic. It's going to be untidy. That leads to blokes trying to go around the corner to the left, and the camber's all wrong, and we fall over. You can't go around the corner to the right because it leads to the same problem as trying to go across. Yeah. The reality of it is that these blokes don't set out to do this. Mm. There was a time, I'm not sure it's the case now, but there was a time where if you ended up in that arrested bed, you got fined. I don't think that's the case anymore. But they certainly charge you to pull your truck out. Yeah. I wonder what the price is going to be if someone hits this thing. Oh. More to the point, how many of them have they got? Because if one gets hit, it won't be usable. Well, I can't imagine as being hit the reset button and repark it. Mate, you know, as I say, if every truck gets it right and they're in the correct low gear for the load they're carrying and they're you know, travelling at 40 k's an hour or less, there should not be any issues. Yeah. And the majority of times they're not. But the simple fact of the matter is that sometimes we get it wrong. Yeah. And, you know, you get that bloke that's going down there who may not be aware of what's going on and end up in the wrong gear and can't get it back, you know. Yep. And it's a long way to the bottom, mate. Yeah. It's interesting they haven't released any footage either of it in action, you know, of tests being done or whatever. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. I'm actually in the process of writing a story about safety bays, arrested beds and all that sort of stuff, and there's a lot of technology out there. Mm. There's ones that I've seen in America which are attenuators, and they're basically set up with wires and things that run across them on pulleys. They're like an arrestor wire on an aircraft carrier, for the want of a better description. Yeah, yeah. But they've basically got a safety net, mm. and it's on a weighted spring system, you drive into it, and it's just like it catches me catching a softball. Yeah. And it wrecks the trucks. It really does. Yeah. But it stops them, and the drivers generally get out of them. So this is the sort of thing that we need to think about. Some of the things that I've seen, some of the pictures that I've seen, and some of the stuff I've got for the article I'm writing for Big Rigs at the moment on safety bays and arrestor beds, it's absolutely gobsmacking mm. the little attention that this area gets and those ones that they're working on on that southeastern descent on the, in Adelaide yep. are probably some of the best designed ones in the country. And they get visitors. Yeah. And you've got to ask why they get visitors. I don't think the correct answer is to punish the companies that, that end up in there, is to ask why, and then send out safety bulletins to all the companies and say, look, this happened, this is why it happened, 
please check your fleet to make sure this doesn't happen to you. Yeah. That would be the sensible way to approach it. But no, we are more about punishing people and punishing them big for making mistakes that could happen to anyone. Yeah. We're not sensible about the way we deal with our incidents. I don't think we're in any way sensible. Love to hear some feedback from some of the drivers. I'd like to hear from someone who's been in one. Yeah. How did it happen, mate? How did you end up in the situation where you needed to be in the kit litter? Yep. I'd love to hear that. So if there's anyone out there listening that has had that unfortunate experience, ring me on the number on the web page, send me an email. I'll get back to you. I'd even consider paying you for your story. I really would. Yeah. I want to know. I want to know about it. That'd be good to hear. Mm. All right, mate. Well, seeing as how you're now getting out of control and we need to put you into an attenuator (laughs) before this goes on for hours, thank you for talking about that with me. We'll stay close to this one and see if there's more information to come in the future because it's an interesting one. Yeah, it is. Keep it safe and we'll see you next time. Cheers, buddy. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Coming up shortly, Mike talks about keeping your cool in your cab. But first, we've got everyone's favourite Irishman to get us moving. Here's Van Morrison with Bright Side of the Road. G'day, I'm Darren. I'm listening to On The Road 
on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow. G'day everyone, welcome to Tech Talk on the Road. David Saliba is with me from Cooler Bar Coolers and I'm going to find out a little bit more about these things. One of our guys has got one in a 909 and it's just a fabulous piece of kit. He raves about it but he won't let me record him so I've got to go back to the horse's mouth and have a bit of a chat with David and we'll find out where they came from, what they do, how long they've been doing it and all about this fantastic bit of gear that's making a big difference to guys having to sleep in the truck. How are you, David? Good, mate. Good. How are you? I'm absolutely wonderful, mate. Yeah. Now, we're just going to tell the listeners about the Cooler Bar cooling and heating system, how it works and how it does what it does, what sets it apart from the other ones that are on the market, Yep. and how much people like the thing, mate. Tell us where you came from. Okay, so my background, I was auto electrician working primarily on trucks, and roughly about 25 years ago, I was asked by one of my very good customers to fit a Viesa cooler, yep. right, which is one of what really started all this off. Yep. Anyway, to cut a long story short, we sort of went along with that and then became a dealer for them and started actually helping Viesa to make a better product. So I helped them to create the internal and then I helped them to do the Viesa compressor, which is the first refrigerated air conditioning system that Viesa ever made. Mm. So that's my introduction into the system. Then I helped to produce the Pure Air and the Cool Cat, which a lot of people would know, and also had a lot to do with the EcoWind yep. in the way of trying to make it better because the original one that we got had a few issues which we sort of like improved on. So then because I was heavily involved in the sleeper cab air conditioning industry, about five years ago, because I had a lot of time in my hands because I opened up a workshop in Newcastle and I had time to dwell after hours because I was sleeping up there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I thought, right, I said, I think we can do better. So I went around and got most of my customers because we were heavily involved in it. So I got most of my customers and, and started asking them, what do they like about the current unit that they've got, whether it be IcePac, whether it be EcoWind, whether it be VSUP, whatever they had, what do they like about it and what don't they like about it? Yeah. You know, and a lot of the feedback that we got back, you know, noise was a big factor. Nobody really wanted the noise. Mm. Nobody liked the noise, although a lot of people will tell you, oh, it puts me to sleep. <laughs> you know, when you park somewhere where there's other people that are trying to sleep and you've got a noisy unit, it doesn't go down well, especially when you get there after they're already there. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's one thing people have said to me. Also, the servicing intervals and amount of servicing that you've got to do for any unit, mm. that doesn't help the situation also. Some other things, you know, moisture in the cab with the ones that worked off evaporative cooling, people were complaining that there was moisture in the cab and it was affecting the gauges and things like that. Mm. They also indicated to me that the ones that did run on battery power didn't go for long enough and the batteries didn't last for long enough. So those are the things that I had to try and work with. So what I, what I actually did, I wrote a list of all the things that people didn't want mm. and then a list of the things that people did want and started working out how I can achieve what people want without having too many of the things that people didn't want. Mm. So that's how it all started. Well, I think you've done a pretty good job, mate. If we can believe what my colleague at the same company that I work for has got to say about it, it's the best thing since sliced bread. He particularly likes the heating part of it because it's not always warm. It sometimes gets quite cold here in Australia. He loves it. Yeah, well, that heating side of things started from a customer that delivers to Tumut a lot of times. Mm. And he sort of suggested to me, is there any way we can make it heat? And I thought about it, and then obviously the first thing that comes to mind is reverse cycle. Mm, yeah. So I looked into the re reverse cycle side of it, and apart from the fact that it was going to be very, very costly because you've got to put two-way valves to change the flow direction of the refrigerant and make your condenser your evaporator and your evaporator your condenser, it's a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that can go wrong. So then I done some research and I looked into the electric car companies like Tesla and there's the Bolt, the one that Holden makes, and there's the Nissan Leaf 
all the electric cars that are coming out are currently using PTC technology, which is like a resistor. It's like a coil, really, but it's just 100% efficient. Mm. So if you put 200 watts of power into it, it gives you 200 watts of heating. We found that if we went that way, we didn't have to use a very big heater element. I mean, if somebody was to pull apart one of our units, he'd realize that the heater element about the size of a packet of cigarettes. All right. And there's two of them. Yep. Because the area that you're trying to heat is not that huge, it doesn't heat it up super, super quick. Like It'll take a good 15 minutes before you start feeling the warmth, but it just holds it there beautifully Yeah. and doesn't use the whole battery to do so. It gives you a good six, seven, eight hours, depending on the size of your battery, of heating that you can use to sleep. Yeah, yeah. The trick is obviously not to set it at 28, 30 degrees because obviously the coils will never stop. Yeah. If you set the heating at 19, 20 degrees on a day that's minus five outside, mm. you'll find that that's more than comfortable to sleep in because you normally want to sleep in that when it's hot. Yeah, that's right, yeah. That will run all night and if you close the curtains and make the area that you're trying to heat or cool as small as possible, you'll find your batteries will last a lot longer than what you think, you know, especially these lithium batteries. Yeah. Well, I've been quite surprised by the running times that he's saying that he's getting out of his and how long it actually will do the job for and how effective it seems to be. But he does do what you say. He closes the curtains and tries to make the area pretty small. Now, I've got an Ice Pack 2000 on my machine. Yep. And as you've said, they are noisy and when you're parked in a build-up area sometimes you know i've had to knock on the door asking me how long i'm going to have that running for i honestly think david one of the most important things we can do for a driver is give them a good comfortable temperature to sleep in it's uh, getting a good sleep is one of the most important things you can do your machine seems as though it makes a big difference as far as that goes yeah, well, the main thing that we're trying to achieve is, like you said, right, trying to make sure that customers get a good night's sleep. Now, when we had some customers come up to us and say, oh, look, you know, we don't want heating. Take the heating out of it. See if we can make it cheaper. Yeah. And I said to them, look, it'll cost me more to take the heating out. But isn't the whole point of having something in the cab to make it comfortable for the driver to sleep? <laughs> So if it's cold, isn't it just as important to keep the driver warm so that he can sleep yeah. as much as it is to keep him cool if it was too hot? Yeah. So why are you trying to remove it? And the answer that I got back was, oh, because if I've got heating in this truck, then I've got to put heating in all my other trucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the first time I've heard that, David. Yeah. <laughs> but as for one time, I had a bloke that was here the other day and he said to me, look, I was in Toowoomba. And he's got the big 6.5 kilowatt hour battery. Yeah. And he said, I was in Toowoomba and I was there Saturday, Sunday, and it was balmy, like it was really humid. Mm. But it wasn't super, super hot. It was probably around about 32, right? Yeah. And he said that he had his running, like he had the curtains closed and everything else. He was doing the right thing, set on 22, 23 degrees. And, you know, like, don't set it on 18. Yeah. But he said that his ran for 48 hours. And I thought, my God, I didn't believe him. And he goes, mate, I swear to God, it ran for 48 hours before it cut out. And then I started the truck up and I left because I, I couldn't stay there anymore. Yeah. So if you use it properly, because of the technology in the compressor, see, the compressor is a variable speed compressor. Yeah. So instead of cutting in and out, in and out, in and out to cycle to keep the temperature in the cab at whatever you set it at, mm. it changes its speed. Mm. So when you stop and start all the time, it actually wastes more power. Whereas if you were to draw back the revolutions of the compressor, and our compressor can draw right back to 1500 RPM or speed up right up to 4500 RPM. Right. At 1500 RPM, we're drawing seven amps. So when you add those seven amps, and if you've got the fan speed up on one inside, maybe another amp for the fan speed, we're talking eight amps. Yeah. So eight amps just constantly working towards keeping your cab nice and cool and free from moisture, it does tend to go for a long time. We're talking close to what a Viesta draws, you know what I mean? Like it's bugger all. Yeah. We'll be back for the rest of this great chat right after this. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. 
NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. So this thing's got its own lithium battery pack on it. They're a 6 kilowatt hour or a 6.5 kilowatt hour. Is that correct? Yes. So the latest batteries, because obviously as time goes by, the technology and the batteries improve. Hmm. And also the price drops marginally, right? Yeah. So far, it's margin. But what I've been doing, rather than reducing the price by 100 or $200 of the actual unit, I've been actually increasing the capacity of the battery. Yeah. So when we first started, we had a 3 kilowatt, a 4 kilowatt, and a 5 kilowatt. Then we deleted the 4 kilowatt and went with 3 or 5s. So as things improved, then we brought up the capacity of the batteries but stayed at the same price. So at the moment, you're getting a 4 kilowatt hour battery for the price of the 3, and you're getting a 6.5 kilowatt hour battery for the price of the 5. Okay. So it's a lot more power for no more extra money because obviously the technology is improving. Obviously, we've also implemented a couple of different things on the batteries where instead of just the standard BMS, a BMS is a battery management system, we've incorporated a BMS with an active balancer. So as of next year, we're getting some new BMSs that's incorporated in it, which will bring the warranty from three years to five years, we're hoping. Okay, that's a good increase in the warranty. Yeah, yeah. So on the battery, the warranty will increase from three years to five years. Wow. And on the unit itself, at the moment, we're currently at two years warranty, which is the most of any of the sleeper cab coolers. That's the best you're going to get. Most of them are only one year, Mm. but we're trying to negotiate with the manufacturer of the compressor to increase that to three years as well, but we're sort of not quite there yet. We're still negotiating, but we're hoping to do that because what people want mainly is trouble-free. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. So let's just have a bit of a recap. It's got heating as standard. Yep. You don't need a space on the chassis to fit it, do you? Because you put it on the actual back of the sleeper. Correct. The battery itself fits on the back of the cab. Mm -hmm. If you don't have room on the back of the cab or you don't want it on the back of the cab, we can fit it in an external toolbox as long as the toolbox is external. Right. The unit itself fits underneath the sleeper cab on the passenger side or on the driver's side, whatever suits you. Yep. As long as you've got the room, most trucks we've managed to have the room. The only one that's giving us a little bit of grief at the moment is the 410. Okay. But we've designed a smaller unit, (laughs) would you believe, (laughs) that can fit underneath the 410 with a separate condenser. Righto. So where our normal ones are condenser compressor assemblies, the 410 will be a split system where it'll have a separate compressor and condenser assembly. Okay. So you've got a two-year warranty on the cooler bar unit at the moment and a three-year on the battery. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. Right. Those batteries should give you a minimum of 20 hours on heating or cooling based on an average sort of a temperature? Yep, but that depends entirely on... First of all, what battery you use, right? Mm. And secondly, what the current conditions are outside. Yeah. So to put it in perspective, with the 6.5 kilowatt battery, like I said, we've had people telling us that they're getting 24, one guy 48. So it's actually more than 20 hours that they're getting. Right. But I've also had people tell me that on a stinking hot day of 40, 42, 43 degrees, yeah. that one guy only got around about eight hours out of this 6.5 kilowatt. Yeah, right. And I asked him, I said, mate, you know, did you have the curtains closed? Yeah. And he said, no, he didn't have the curtains closed and he had it set on 18 degrees. Yeah. So it would have been working flat out the whole time. Exactly. So the compressor did not stop yep. and it would have been pumping flat out all the time. Not only not stop, but pumping flat out. Yeah. 
Whereas in normal conditions, when the day is only 25, 26, 28, yep. then the compressor runs quickly to get to temperature. But then once it gets there, it slows right down yeah. and saves power. Yeah. So with the four kilowatts, they're getting roughly between 12 and 14 hours on normal days. Yep. And on real hot conditions, they're getting six to eight hours. Okay. Like I'm talking 40 degrees, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's as good as it's going to get really, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, <laughs> if, if it's that hot yeah. and if you need to sleep a bit longer than eight hours, yeah. then start the truck up for a couple of hours, which will give you another couple of hours of runtime, you know? Right. So it's not the end of the world. <laughs> so there's the option to charge your truck battery off this unit. Is that not a standard thing? No, we've made that an option simply because a lot of the big companies initially didn't show any interest in it. Right. So because it's an extra $1,000, yep. because you've got to have a complete different charger and a different wiring set up for it, the big boys didn't want to pay the extra 1000 bucks. Of course. But now it seems like they're catching on and more of the fleet companies are actually getting the back charger as well because you won't know how handy it is until the first time you use it. Yeah. And then I've had guys ring me and say to me, oh, thank God for that back charger. It saved me three times this week, you know? Yeah. Like if you've got a bit of a doughy battery or if you've forgotten something on overnight or over a weekend or if you're stuck out somewhere and you've got flat truck batteries yeah. and you've got to call somebody out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. So if we've got power left in our auxiliary battery, the lithium battery, which it does, it holds six kilowatt hours. It only takes 15, 20 minutes to put enough charge in your truck batteries from the lithium battery to start your truck. And it can do that up to 10 times. Yeah, right. It's a lot of power that we pack in that battery. So if it's there, you might as well use it. Well, it sounds like cheap insurance to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So... I reckon the biggest thing about this thing, I mean, we've got issues with bumper to back of cab measurements and closing trucks up to meet the length requirements. This thing doesn't take up much room at the back of the cab, does it? No. Most of the unit itself is actually fitted underneath the cab. So it's fitted in between the toolbox and the fuel tank. Yeah. The battery itself is only roughly about 80 millimetres thick or 90 millimetres thick. So that's as far as it sticks out the back of the cab, 90 mil. Yeah. Let's say 100 millimetres total. Yeah. If you put it on the far left, like next to the wing, yep. then the trailer, as it's spinning around, your arc that it creates misses the battery completely. Yeah. Like, for example, when we used to fit cool cats on the back of truck, yep. they stick out about 260, 280 millimetres, right, which is nearly a foot. Yes. It is a foot, actually, by the time you put the backing plate on. So some people wanted it mounted in the middle of the cab to keep the looks, you know. Yeah. But the problem is that's where the trailer will hit it, at the middle. Yeah. If it's towards the edges, there's no way it's going to hit it. Now, I've seen these things on trucks that the actual cover is sprayed the same colour as the cab of the truck, and it just makes it that much more aesthetically pleasing. Is that difficult for you to do? No, no, no. We do that for about $110. Okay. So... Unless you give me something like a bloke just gave me yesterday where it's got three different colours and scroll work on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but normally if it's just what we call a plain colour, yep. then it's about 110 120 bucks we charge. Yep. If it's a metallic or a pearl colour, I think they charge about 200 bucks. Yep. And like this guy wanted three different colours and scrolls, I think we charged him 320 yeah. So, yeah, it's not a big expense. Hmm. Because the light still shines through the back, it actually really looks part of the truck. I reckon they look pretty good, actually. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Mate, I'll tell you what, it's been great to talk to you. I've just got two more things I want to find out. Sure. Where can we get these things fitted? Yep. And how much is it going to set the bloke back? Okay, so you can get them fitted in any major city, right? So we've got agents in Perth, in Adelaide. We've got them even in between places like Horsham. We've got them in Melbourne. There's a couple of deals in Melbourne. There's one in Albury, Wodonga, Tamworth, Dubbo, Lithgow. They're virtually everywhere. In Queensland, we're still a little bit low on the uptake with the agents. We've only got one in Brisbane, one in Toowoomba, and there's one up a bit further north. I can't think of the name at the moment. <laughs> Inland is a little bit difficult as well, yeah. like towards Alice Springs. We do have an agent in Alice Springs that can look at the units if there's an issue or anything like that, but he hasn't fitted any yet. Yep. 
like any major city, Sydney, we've got three outlets, Newcastle. I don't have anything in Wollongong yet. But anyway, cost-wise, if you go with the four-kilowatt standard unit, yep. which is like a four-kilowatt-hour lithium battery, no back charger, yep. that unit there is $9,990. let us call it ten grand. Yep. That's 10000 plus GST fitted. Yep. If you go with the 6.5-kilowatt-hour battery, that's 11990 or twelve grand. Yep. And then if you want to add the back charge, it's an extra thousand bucks. Righto. Yep. You know, and then obviously we've got other options like solar panels, inverters that run off those lithium batteries, things that we can add on that complements the system. Righto. Well, look, I tell you what, it all sounds very exciting. I'm a little bit envious of me mate that's got one in his truck that I've seen because, you know, he's laying there all toasty warm and I'm freezing. But that's the way it goes. Thanks for coming on and having a chat with us, David. I do appreciate your time. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk to your people. Yeah, anytime. Just give me a ring. No worries, David. Thanks very much, mate. We'll catch up with you later. Okay, buddy. Catch up. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. Hey everyone, Kermie here. Hope you're travelling well, staying safe and on the right side of the white line, by which of course I mean the left. I also hope you're tuning in to the On The Road podcasts with Mike and Andy, because if you're not, two things will happen. One, you'll be missing out on some great interviews, a good few laughs, and what's generally going on out there in truckland. Uh, what's the other thing? Ah, that's it. You won't have heard this plug for On The Road. Hmm. Okay then, so, those of you who are already on here, go and tell your mates about On The Road. They can find it on Spotify or iTunes at On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. But you knew that, didn't you? Because you're already... Yeah, look, just go and sell them, okay? Cheers, and take care of you. When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, find out how Seeing Machines Guardian can safeguard your fleet, your valuable cargo, and most importantly, your drivers. Visit www.seeingmachines.com. I've got Andrea Hamilton Vaughan with me and we're going to talk about Fatigue Awareness Day. How are you, Andrea? I'm well, thank you, Mike. And yourself? I'm absolutely wonderful. Looking forward so much to our little chat. Thank you. Now, you're the lady that's going to tell us all about Fatigue Awareness Day. What do I need to know? Well, Driver Fatigue Awareness Day is on the 23rd of April and it was brought about by the Sliger family who lost their son and two of his mates in a driver fatigue crash. Like all young boys that go hunting in regional Australia, they worked all day, they piled into the ute that night, hunted all night, and unfortunately tried to drive home. Hmm. They had planned to get some sleep beforehand, but, you know, boys will be boys. They changed the plan. Hmm. And, of course, they never made it home. The family, in their grief, wanted to do something about driver fatigue. Michelle Sliger said, I don't want this to happen to any other family. Mm. The grief is just heartbreaking. It's ongoing. It's clenching. It just eats up your life. So she turned her grief into action, and I got a call from the Centre of Road Safety in New South Wales to help them, and that's how I became involved. Right. But for us to do anything about driver fatigue, and I mean, you boys in the heavy vehicle industry, you have rules and regulations and logbooks and goodness knows else what to help you to manage your driver fatigue. But Mr. and Mrs. Joe Average out on the road don't. Mm. And we've been telling them for years, you know, take a break, do this, do that. And it hasn't been successful because one of the three big killers on Australian roads is driver fatigue. That's right. There's no speed traps. There's no policemen saying blow into this. Mm. 
you're tired, you have to have a rest. So we really need public engagement and public education to do this. Mm. And I've been studying driver fatigue for many years. When I looked into it, we're not telling people, apart from take a break and have a cup of coffee, mm. not really giving them enough information to make those little decisions that matter, that will save their lives. And this is where a power nap comes in. Now, PowerNap was researched by some universities in the United States of America, and they first of all used it for productivity. Yep. What they found is a 15 to 20-minute PowerNap in a vehicle changes your whole mental workload and revitalizes you, and you can continue on. It is the silver bullet. It's a Band-Aid, but hey, and when you cut your finger, you need a goddamn Band-Aid, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. What you need to know about, and this is what we're trying to do, educate people how to take a 15 to 20-minute power nap. So when the worst-case scenario happens and you're out on the road in the middle of nowhere, you can't make it to the next town because that's how people die. Yeah. You need to pull over safely on the road and have that 15 to 20-minute power nap. We've put in a social media campaign around New South Wales, and some of it's gone interstate, about how to take a power nap. But that's not enough because every good psychologist or behavioural change expert will tell you you need a trigger or some information at point of behaviour. What does that mean in English for us? That means I'm Mrs Joe Bloggs driving down the road. I need something and I'm getting tired. And don't forget, driver fatigue is not only physical, but it's mental. It attacks you from both ends. So I'm starting to get tired, you know, tired. I know all the drill sort of thing, but I'm tired. I'm not thinking about what I saw on social media or the billboard I saw two or three hundred kilometres away. But if there was a truck in front of me, and there's always a truck in front of you, Mm. that said tired eyes, you need a power nap now or something along those lines, Yeah, that would be the trigger to say, oh, yes, maybe I should take a power nap. So it's that point of behaviour that we're trying to now engage with the heavy vehicle industry to help us not only get that message but get that message into action. Mm. They're pretty big billboards rolling up and down the road and there's generally not too much painted on the back doors. It's a good place to have a sign, isn't it? It's an excellent place. And my first idea, obviously not owning a truck and knowing the expense of such thing, was to have the big driver fatigue awareness day with the big green ribbon painted on the side of those curtains on the truck until someone said, do you know how expensive that is? And I thought, oh, no, I don't. (laughs) Isn't that typical? Always good ideas come crashing down with reality. That's why I'm asking the heavy vehicle industry to become involved Because no use me coming up with an idea, all right, we'll just paint all the back of the trucks and we'll do this and do that. And it may be too expensive and it may be not the best idea. Whereas the big trucking companies and the smaller trucking companies, they know what it would cost to put a green ribbon on the back. And because it's the back of the truck, it might be the tired eyes, one of the early warning signs of driver fatigue and then power nap now or something. That's doable, whether it's decal, whether it's painted on, Mm. a stencil, I don't know. And I'm hoping to get some feedback from the major players to say, this is what we can do. Mm. And, of course, I'm not asking the heavy because we need funding for this. But I thought if each trucking company did a couple of their trucks like this and added to it every couple of years sort of thing, because I know trucks turn over, we could build up a network of those moving billboards to really fight driver fatigue. Don't forget, one of the three big killers on Australia's road is driver fatigue, and driver fatigue doesn't have the mandatory regulations for the average driver, like drink driving with random breath testing and drug driving with testing, Mm. uh, speeding with cameras and all that. So we really need to take the public with us on this journey of driver fatigue. Yeah, we do. And you know, just to add on to what you've been saying, my good friend Adam Gibson at NTI, who's one of the risk assessment engineers there, has often said to me, people don't seem to grasp the fact the reason why fatigue driving is so deadly is because if you're driving down the road with the cruise control on, 
you have that micro sleep, you have that nana nap or grandpa nap or whatever you want to call it. Yep. Your vehicle leaves the road with the cruise control set doing 100 and there's no intervention from the driver to stop it. So when it impacts a structure or a tree or another vehicle, it's doing it at full speed. You haven't intervened at all. And that's why these things are so bad. That is correct. And that's why they're so deadly, because we don't intervene. At least if you have an accident, if you're having a a regular accident, at least the driver's doing whatever they physically can by their reflexes to reduce the impact or change the impact or some way save themselves. Fatigue accidents don't have that component, and that's why they're so bad. That is correct, Mike, and that's why they're fatalities and not injury crashes. Mm. Majority of times, I can't think of the actual number off the top of my head, but it's so much higher as a fatality. Yeah. And, they, you know, they always end up as fatalities. Yeah. One of the reasons, too, and, I mean, why it may be in the trucking industry's best interest to become involved in this, I know a lot of trucking people might say that they're regular drivers, they don't impact on us. Yeah. But I remember at the Australian Trucking Association conference, somebody from the ATA, and I won't get the exact number right, so please don't hold it to me, say 90% of crashes at that time with trucks and cars, cars were at fault. Yeah, it's a high number. It's about 83%, I think. But anyway, it's something outrageous. Yeah. Fatigue has got to be a factor in that. I commute to work over 100 kilometres every day and back, and I've done it for 16 years in road safety. Mm. I also travel from Parks to Queensland, Parks to Melbourne. I live in Parks, New South Wales. Parks to Melbourne, Sydney and Adelaide on a regular basis, Mm. at least once a year to those destinations. To Sydney and Canberra, I go about six times a year. So I see a lot of things on the road as well as driving for my job. What people do, what normal motorists do to truck drivers is beyond belief. <laughs> I wish I had, uh, what do those call them, those dash cans, is that what they're called? That's right, yeah. yeah. And my personal favourite, and, and this has got to be, some of it's got to be fatigue because too many people do it, so not everyone on the road's got to be stupid, yeah. is that they overtake a couple of trucks or a truck, a big B double, mm. and then they come in close. I know they've come in close. Yeah. And then they decide that they're going too fast because they're just doing 130 to pass this truck. And then they'll put their foot on the brake six feet in front of a damn B-double. Mm. And I know they put their foot in the brakes because the next thing I see smoke coming out of the back of the brakes on the big B-double. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness gracious me. Well. So I think that we could reduce truck and car vehicle crashes where the motorist, not the truck driver, is at fault if we had better fatigue management also. And that's an opinion. That's not something I can substantiate. Well, I'm not going to argue the point with you because I've seen that sort of behaviour myself from behind the wheel of the truck. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. It's been great to have you on the program, Andrea. I do appreciate your time on a weekend afternoon to come and record with me. That's all right. Now, please, and I'm really asking the trucking industry... I'd love you to get in touch with me through Mike and I'm going to send some letters out to the big players to see if we can get them on board because driver fatigue is a problem for all of us. Yep. You know, for the heavy vehicle industry, what they've got to put up with on the roads from other drivers as well and they can be part of the solution. They sure can. All right. Thanks for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Keep up the great work. Bye for now. Well, let's go out on a high note with I Play the Road by the Zac Brown Band. I play the road And the highways are song And every city is like the same three chords Been helping us so long when the story is told Crowd is coming gone, shaking off the miles, trying to make it home. Every exit is a season, every signal is a beacon, and the wind it carries me and it eases up my load. Every day I drag the turns, 
candle still burns And every lesson I have learned Brings us closer to the crowd I'll play the road And the highway is our song And every city is like the same three chords Been helping us along when the story is told And the crowd is done and gone Shaking off the miles Trying to make it home Well, the bus, it is our steeple It brings us to the people And they will be there waiting Dancing young and old Every one of us gets tired, but everyone remains inspired, and every one of us required to keep picking through our souls. I play the road, and the highway is our song, and every city is like the same three chords, but helping us along when the story is told, and the crowd is done and gone. Shaking off the miles Trying to make it home Well, that brings us to the end of another On The Road show. We hope you enjoyed it. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. For all your transport insurance needs, visit the website at nti.com.au. For more On The Road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast, offer suggestions or just let us know what's on your mind, send us an email to mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week for the next episode On The Road. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in 100% agreement with the views and opinions of our guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions. Mm-hmm.